0: <coughs> All right. going to be talking about thinking the best of others. It's the why is it doing it's that? The out of, why is it suddenly doing that? It did it one another time. Yeah, I know. Let us see what you're doing. Just, you don't extend. You mirror. You want to use mine? No, it's, it's, it's going it. to mirror. He, yeah, he fixed it last. I don't know if somehow I changed something on accident and now it doesn't work when you plug it you in or that? what. I, I want to duplicate Alright, thinking the best of others. Thank you, Robert. There we go. So, uh, <clears throat> when you think about everyday living, I think all of us realize that we, we each encounter all types of people from all walks of life. Uh, even me... As a forester, working in the woods, I'm not in the woods every day. I don't encounter many people in the woods, but uh, in the the other things that I do in my job, uh, I, I run into all different types of people. Even uh, when I'm in the woods checking on the logger, there's loggers are interesting people, uh, and and kind of different different types of folks. And and all of these people that we encounter have different backgrounds, different. Life events have kind of uh, transformed or caused them to be the way that they are. Uh, and and we run across a variety of, of ranges of people who really go from people who seem to care nothing about God, who, who are just living their lives, kind of doing what they want to do for themselves, uh, all the way to the other end of the spectrum, the people who do seem to, to Revere God and and care about the things that that He says, and so even in uh, congregations or among among Christians, we we'll interact with a brethren who we would consider to be faithful brethren, and we also have times when they're unfaithful brethren that we we have to interact with or, or work with. Uh, Oftentimes, if you travel a lot and visit at different congregations, you're meeting brethren that you really don't know a lot about. You just consider them brethren, right? Uh, you don't know a ton about uh, where they are or, uh, in their faith and what they're, what they're doing, but, you know, you do your best to think the best of those uh, people that you are with. Uh, so, again, we've got, in life, we've got religious people, worldly people, Good people, bad people, all different kinds of people, right, that we're going to run across. And um, if you look up some of this stuff, and I didn't spend a whole lot of time looking <coughs> at this, but there's something called social identity theory. I left the quotation off there. But uh, this social identity theory basically says that generally people will show favoritism towards people that are like themselves, Right? We kind of tend to group together into groups of, of people that are like ourselves, um, You know, kind of think the same way, enjoy doing the same things, or the same uh, religious beliefs, those kind of things. People tend to kind of group together with those uh, groups. Uh, and I think that's natural. That's just how God made us. That's, that's who we are. Uh, but we also, as humans, tend to develop uh, what is called stereotypes, uh, and, and where we kind of size up someone quickly, right? We, we meet them, uh, we look at either how, they, how they're dressed, how they look, we, we think about a few of the, the things that they say or how they interact with us, and we quickly <laughs> form stereotypes uh, about who we think they are or what we think they uh, believe or how we think they live, uh, those kind of things. And some of that, again, I think is natural. Uh, sometimes that's a good thing, right? Uh, God doesn't want us being, uh, going around this world totally oblivious and and kind of ignorant or, or not uh, circumspectly walking around, you know, considering who it is we're dealing with. He wants us... To kind of be processing those things but but sometimes those stereotypes we get wrong don't we and and we may assume something about someone or, or put someone in a certain group that really isn't who they are and that's just again we don't have perfect judgment in those areas and so we need to know that and we need to remember that and that's part of, of, of what uh, this lesson is going to be about and so <clears throat> Really, what we're going to be talking about is how should we, as Christians, think about and view others, especially those who may not be like us. And um, you know, kind of, uh, we talked last week about modesty, and, and we talked a lot about uh, how some people uh, may dress certain ways or, or look certain ways that. Is, is immodest right or, or certain ways that are kind of flamboyant and we talk about how that is uh, oftentimes a a sign of maybe some some thinking that is not aligned with scriptures or, or some thinking that that wants people to look at me look at me those kind of things uh, and that is true uh, but I want us to to also realize as Christians when we are encountering different kinds of people in our lives every day, we have to be careful uh, about uh, making the wrong judgments or, or putting people in the wrong groups, uh, stereotypes, uh, too quickly. And so there's, there's a good bit in Scriptures, uh, of a good bit of examples and, and, and instructions kind of along this topic. Luke chapter 9 uh, we wanted, I wanted to start off with kind of looking at some examples of really how not to be. In Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 49, uh, I said, John answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, Do not stop him, for the one who is not against you is for you. And so this is a story I think we're, we're all uh, pretty familiar with. We don't have a lot of information about this except that we see the apostles uh, basically forbidding someone to, to, to do these things because they weren't with Jesus' group. They weren't with those disciples in that group. And Jesus tells them, don't do not do that in this instance. you know, Whatever it is these people were doing, able to cast out demons in Jesus' name, they wouldn't have been able to do that if they hadn't had... Uh, God's power helping them do that and so you know what what you see as you continue reading through this section you see that uh, the apostles the disciples at this time uh, had some issues with pride themselves right they, they wanted to think of themselves as, as better than uh, some of these other people that they were dealing with uh, and even wanted to think among themselves of who was going to be the greatest and um, just prior to this what we just read in verses 49 and 50 just prior to that we see uh, some of this pride uh, among them it says an argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest All right? and that's not the only time that we see the disciples arguing about that among themselves we see um, them, uh, the, the mother of James and John going to Jesus and asking to let her sons have these Positions of authority. you know, their, their thought process sometimes was rooted in pride and, and that caused them to get off track with, with how they thought about others. And I think the same thing can go for us. Uh, in verse 47 and 48, it says, Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side and said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is greatest and then immediately after this is when John says master we forbade that guy from casting out those demons because he's not with us and Jesus you know corrects them on that another instance uh, where we see people having the wrong attitudes towards others uh, is with the, the Jewish leaders in Matthew chapter 9 starting in verse 9 it says as Jesus passed on from there he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth and he said to him follow me and he rose and followed him and so and Jesus as he reclined at the table in the house behold many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples and when the Pharisees saw this they said to his disciples why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners but when he heard it he said those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And so what, what is the Pharisees' problem here? They're again having some issues with pride, right? They're thinking of themselves better than others. And, and so they don't want to be associated with, with these uh, tax collectors and sinners and and they don't understand why Jesus who is someone you know professing to be holy in their eyes why he's with them and and you know Jesus's point to them is these are the people that need me the most these are the people uh, who need what i have to offer and uh, he he tells them i desire mercy and not sacrifice and that he means that you know he's trying to help those people uh understand what they need to do. And so, I think oftentimes in our lives, we want to immediately you know, count someone out. Uh, we, we put them in a category, we develop a stereotype in our mind, and we want to, when we encounter someone, we immediately want to count them out based on what we see or, or what we perceive about them and, and our uh, initial time spent with them. You know, we may encounter. Uh, you know, today it's easy to encounter people with with you know tattoos all over themselves, different colored hair, piercings, uh, trashy dress. You know, very immodest and and uh, trashy type dress, and we automatically assume sometimes that these people either don't have a good heart or aren't a good candidate for the gospel, and that I don't believe is what we see in. The gospel. We don't see Jesus avoiding those type of people. We see Jesus working with those type of people. Um, I think sometimes we we think that people seem so far from anything spiritual that that it's impossible that they would ever change. And you know, again, you know, maybe that's so, maybe not. But it's really not our job to decide that, is it? It's our job. To try to get them to change, to tell them about the change that comes about from uh, God and from the Gospel of Jesus. And we looked at Matthew nine a minute ago, where Jesus was eating with the tax collectors and the sinners. Uh, you know, that's him showing us how to be. And there's other examples of him interacting with with those type of people. Uh, teaching them the gospel, and there's examples of those those type of people changing and, and doing the right things. Um, one of the the stories that I thought about in, in preparing this lesson was in John chapter 4, uh, the Samaritan woman at the well. Now, we don't have a ton of information about her. We don't know, uh, you know all of the details, but we do know that The Jews and the the Gentiles or the Jews and the Samaritans uh, the Jews looked very unfavorably towards the Samaritans right they viewed them as a lesser class they didn't even want to pass through that country so they didn't have to interact with them Uh, they thought of themselves as much better than the Samaritans yet you know here's Jesus passing through that country uh, that region coming to a a well and talking with a woman um Says, I didn't. We weren't gonna read the whole story, so I just picked out kind of some some highlights from that story. But it says uh, the Samaritan woman said to him, "How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans." Okay, so you know she understands this isn't normal. She can't believe that he's even talking to her. Uh, if the initial uh, part of the onset of of their meeting one another starting in verse 17 after Jesus and her have have had a conversation and Jesus tells her he he is offering you know this uh, water of life I believe is what he calls it or eternal water Uh, and they have this conversation and Jesus tells her something about herself he tells her go home and tell your husband what I've said well, he knows she doesn't have a husband. She says, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you, have, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one that you now have is not your husband. And what what you have said is true. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And so I, I put this section in there just for us to see. Jesus is talking with a first a Samaritan, who's a woman, and who also you know, has had five husbands. A woman who seems to have had uh, maybe uh, not a godly life. You know, that we don't know for sure uh, that she hasn't, but uh, she has had five husbands. Don't know what, a whole lot else about her. Uh, but if you continue reading through that story, you see that she does go back. Uh, and, and she does tell the town about what Jesus said has said to her, and and there ends up being uh, a lot of positive results from that. In verse 35, it says, Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. If you're looking at that story in your Bibles, this is Jesus talking to his disciples at this point. The disciples come back, see Jesus talking to this Samaritan woman, they're kind of taken back that he's even doing that. And Jesus is saying, Look, these people need God's word. These people need the gospel. And and that's why he's he's giving it to them. He's teaching them those things. And we see the results of this in John chapter four, starting in verse thirty nine. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there two days and many more believed because of his word and so you know to me this is a good example of jesus uh, not abiding by certain societal stereotypes right he's not giving up on someone he's not uh, choosing who gets to hear the gospel or not uh, based on on his perceptions and Yes, it's the Son of God. Yes, He has the ability to read hearts. But I think this is an example for us to be sure that that we don't uh, give up on people too soon. Be sure that we don't just automatically think someone uh, is is not a good candidate for the gospel. You know, Jesus seemed to, to... It's funny, He seemed to give up on the religious leaders... Before, he gave up on the sinner-type people, didn't he? he and, and again, I think he could read people's heart, but he could see that those religious leaders didn't want to hear what he had to say, uh, and so he would not waste time on them later in his ministry, uh, whereas he would spend more time with these type of people that we're, we're reading about. Uh, John chapter 8 is another uh, short story where Jesus is basically merciful, uh, to someone who's caught in the act of, of sin. Uh, John chapter 8, starting in verse 10, it says, Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? As no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on sin no more. That, that's the woman that they bring to Jesus. She was caught in the act of adultery, and, and they want to know, you know, aren't we supposed to stone this lady? Well, yes, they were. Uh, that is... How that was supposed to be but but Jesus knew their motives were not pure in that they weren't really seeking to do uh, God's will and, and worried about carrying out what God's instructions were in regard to that they were trying to, to get Jesus in a, in a bind and, and trap him with that question and so Jesus knew that and, and Jesus is merciful to this lady Jesus you know understands she's done wrong what she did was not right he tells her you know, go on, but don't do that anymore. Uh, and so I think that, that oftentimes we may encounter people in our lives who are in messy situations, uh, who have been living in, in sin, and sin brings about a lot of trouble in life. Uh, it brings a lot of baggage. And uh, that baggage can be very uh, laborsome to, to help people through. It can take a lot of time. It can take a lot of of mental energy and emotional energy and investment on our behalf, and and sometimes we, I think, may shy away from that because we just don't want to get in the middle of that. Well, you know, Jesus wouldn't do that. If he saw the opportunity uh, to help someone overcome sin, help someone uh, come to God and and choose to live a a holy life, then. You know, him and his apostles after him seemed to do that uh, and and seemed to not shy away from those situations uh, the story of Zacchaeus is another place where we can see Jesus again interacting with someone who the the Jewish leaders thought he shouldn't be with uh, Zacchaeus was a tax collector who were you know they were viewed very unfavorably by the Jews. Uh, but in the story of Zacchaeus, we also see from what Zacchaeus says, Zacchaeus was a dishonest tax collector. He had been cheating people, right? Uh, Jesus knew that. He, he knew everything about everybody. But uh, when he comes into town uh, and, and finds Zacchaeus there wanting to see him, he basically says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house to eat tonight. And, and what, what does that end up bringing about? It brings about his repentance, right? Zacchaeus uh, basically shows his repentance through what he tells Jesus, that, that he's going to make those things where he had cheated people right. He's going to correct those things. Uh, but, you know, the people, the Jewish leaders there who, who were seeing this are grumbling saying he's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And, and this goes along with what we saw in Matthew chapter 9 where Jesus said then, you know, these are the people that I came to help, the ones who are sinners, the, one who, the ones who need to correct those things in their lives. And so, again, he's not letting uh, any kind of stereotype or, or societal pressure Uh, move him away from doing uh, the things that God wants us doing, and and we're supposed to be the same way. Um, We've got uh, one more story that came to mind in in thinking about this topic was the Apostle Paul in Athens. Um, Paul is in Athens, and he's in a city that's full of idolatry, right? a city that there's idols everywhere. There, there's there's so many idols and so much idolatry there that they want to be sure that they're not missing a God in all of their idolatry and, and worship of, of false gods, that they have an idol to the unknown God. And so, you know, I don't know about y'all, but myself, when I when I find myself in what I would consider to be a, a ungodly arena, is the best way to think, where you just, you don't feel like anybody in the, whoever it is you're dealing with, in wherever you are, you don't feel like anybody really cares about what the Bible says in the room that you're in but you, you know, I I feel like that's Paul in this situation, he could have, could have easily felt that way, but instead of, of saying these people, you know, they're so far gone, I'm not even going to worry about them, What does he do? He stands up in the midst of them and says, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. And so, you know, Paul, instead of, of seeing that situation as a total... Totally negative, hopeless situation. He sees it as a huge opportunity. He sees people who are looking for something to worship, and he uses that uh, idol to the unknown god as kind of a segue to tell them about the real God, the true and living God. And so, you know, every time when I read that story, I think to myself, you know, I I feel like I would in that situation want to duck my head and get out of the room, right? That these people don't care anything about uh, looking at the Bible and seeing what, what God really wants. But you know, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's how God wants us thinking. He wants us realizing that, that these are the people who uh, are quite possibly the best candidates for God's Word, the, the the people who may be the most receptive to God's Word. And, and regardless, really, of where what we think their reaction would be to the gospel you know that's really not our responsibility is it our responsibility is to provide that opportunity for them to tell them about the gospel in Romans chapter 1 Starting in verse 16, uh, there's a passage that we're all very familiar with. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. In Galatians 3, uh, Paul, in, in writing to the Galatians there, Uh, Says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's slave nor free. There's no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And I I put these two passages in here just as reminder for us that God's word, the gospel, is for everybody, for anyone who wants it, Uh, regardless of what they've done in the past, regardless of what they're doing uh, when you're talking to them, you know, regardless of anything, the gospel is for anyone who wants to hear it and, and wishes to participate in that. And I, I think that it helps me uh, to, to think through these things like this just to remind myself of that because, you know, I can I can be guilty of, of these stereotypes. I think we all can of, of of sizing somebody up based on their looks or on, on the first few minutes of time that you spend with them and thinking that... that you know these people you know don't care anything about hearing any any of god's word so i just had a, some what ifs here you know what what if uh we encounter people struggling with addiction you know gary still goes to the pines on sunday evenings and, and helps with that study there and when i was doing that you know that's what you're dealing with there people who are who are struggling with addiction, trying to overcome those things. Uh, people who look rough a lot of times and who talk rough and who have lived rough lives uh, are there, you know, hoping to better themselves. Uh, and, you know, the way that they can better themselves is through God's Word. You know, that is the, the best hope that they have. Uh, what about the motorcycle tough guy we talked about Uh in our lesson I think it was that last week I think uh, Mark had up there the, the tough guy you know tattoos and leather clothes and, and chains off his wallet all that stuff you know oftentimes when I see those people I'm not thinking they need to, to hear about Jesus but they do uh, you know the, the tattooed rock star the rainbow coalition the homeless person uh People with mental struggles uh, and mental issues. You know, there's, there's an endless list, right, of people who we would say are, are not like us, who, who look different than us, who, who have lived uh, lives that are different than us, who, who really maybe have never given thought to what it really means to serve God. And I think that, you know, we have to remember that those are the type of people. Uh, that God's gospel is for just as much as it is for me, and just as much as it is for you. These are the type of people that that God sent His Son to die on the cross for. And and for me, uh, it to to think in the right way and to be reminded about those those things and thinking that way, I have to to realize that that the reason. Jesus and the reason the apostles seemed uh, to so easily navigate these these situations of encountering different types of people was because they had the right kind of love for mankind and, and for everyone. Uh, they wanted the best for everyone that they in- interacted with. And uh, when you look at uh, this passage in, in 1 Corinthians 13 about love, uh, that it is patient, that it is kind, it does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant, and it is not rude, it does not insist on its own way, it is not irritable or resentful, does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And, you know, verse 6 to me, I feel like really applies in a lot of what we're talking about. You know, we're, we don't rejoice in the wrongdoing that we may see people doing uh, the the, the type of people we've been talking about this morning that we may see them doing we're not rejoicing in what they're doing that's wrong uh, but we are rejoicing in trying to teach them what God's truth is uh, about salvation and about uh, righteous living Uh, love bears all things in verse 7 it believes all things and so if we have the right kind of love uh, that we're supposed to, we're willing, t- this, this list of people here, uh, that a lot of it comes with, a. it's going to take a lot of hard work to, to work with and, and teach these type of people, but we're willing to put that work forth because we do love them. We're willing to have uh, an attitude that bears those things and knows that that's going to come with some hardships on our end uh, we're willing to have an attitude that believes the best and thinks the best of those people hopes all things we hope the best for them we hope that God's word will have the effect that, that it's supposed to have on them that they will accept that and let it let it do its work uh, and we are willing to endure all things if we have the right kind of love and so you know I think that, that really having uh, this this proper attitude of love towards everyone that we interact with is how we are able to interact with, with people that I think sometimes we we shy away from. Uh, the second thing that I believe is required is discernment. Um, now I mentioned earlier that later in Jesus' ministry, He kind of quit fooling with the Pharisees, it seems like. He, he just... You know, basically, uh, came to the the realization or decided. Okay, I've told them enough. They're still not going to listen. You know, I, I'm really not going to move forward with and even interacting with them uh, any more than I have to. And and that, you know, discernment is required by God for from us as we interact with people. You know, we've had a lot of lessons in here about discernment. And you know, I don't think God uh, wants us operating in our lives without without discernment. Um, Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 43, says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure of his heart produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks okay so said this multiple times jesus had the ability to read the hearts of men so he you know he had a pretty good advantage uh that we don't have but he also tells us these things like in luke chapter 6 that you know we eventually need to kind of be paying attention to, to what people are doing and and if if someone is just continually resistant to God's word and not even trying or wanting to do those things that are right uh, bearing bad fruit choosing to continue to live in sin then you know, there's probably a time where you, you've you got to move on from that we see that in, in the from the apostles and we see that from Jesus and so we do have to have that discernment um, and, and kind of make those judgments as best as we can but I think we start with having the right love, and we start with with trying to teach someone and show someone God's gospel, and as, as those things progress, and 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 as we see the reactions uh, that we're getting to that, we make some judgments from from there and and move forward from there. Uh, but again, we have to start by wanting and thinking uh, the best of others, uh, and being patient with others, and <coughs> hoping. Uh, for the the best and right responses from others, and so I know this is uh, stuff you've probably heard before, but it's it's good for me to remind myself of these things. Uh, like I said, I can be just as guilty of, of basically not wanting to sizing somebody up and not not wanting to to talk to them about the gospel because I think immediately they're not gonna wanna hear it, right? Or or sizing up a situation and realizing, hey, you know, I don't even wanna wade off into that. That's gonna be a lot of headache and work on my end, uh just just to be involved with those people. Uh and I don't wanna take that on and, and neither of those attitudes are, are good or right for us to have and so uh just wanted to you know, think about those things this morning and, and Talk for a minute about those things. If you uh, want to get your songbooks and turn to number 340, I think, 340. I gave my life for thee. Uh, this song that we are about to sing for an invitation song is really walking us through. It's like Jesus is saying these words that we're about to, to sing. And, and in the song, you know, it's Jesus saying, I gave my life for thee, my precious blood I shed, so that we could be ransomed, so that we could be made alive from the dead, is what what the first verse talks about. And then at the end of each verse, this song basically turns it back on us and says, you know, I did this for you. What what have you done for me? And And that's really... I think how we are supposed to think about our response to what God has done for us. You know, Nothing, nothing that we can do in our life uh, will earn us the salvation that we have been given through Jesus. But we can all respond accordingly to what Jesus has done for us. When, when someone does something great for you, uh, the gratitude that you show for that is the response to, to do what's good for them. Do what they want you to do for them. And that's what this song is talking about. And so this morning as we offer God's invitation to anyone who's never become a Christian uh, to, to take those steps and, and uh, have their sins washed away uh, through baptism and, and make the decision to follow God and serve God and be faithful to God, we we offer that, that opportunity like we do every time we're together, but we also uh, encourage everyone here to think about the, these questions at the end of each of these verses. What hast thou given for me? What uh, hast thou left out for me? And what hast thou brought for me? And you know, what those questions are doing is getting us to reflect upon how we've been living and think about have I been living in the proper way that, that is the proper response to what uh, God and His Son have done for me. And if I haven't, um, you know, there's an avenues for forgiveness through confession and through praying for one another and with one another. And, and we are here to help each other uh, be who we are supposed to be. And if there's a way that we can help uh, and you have a need, please let that be known as we stand and sing. I.